Welcome everybody to the first episode of the One on Ones podcast on the Field of 12 Media Network presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. And listen, we're going to have some fun with y'all, not just today or tonight, whichever way y'all want to look at it, but every week, right, on this new podcast. Me and my guy, Cody Sensabaugh, former teammate, former Clemson alum. Hey, I'm Harry Douglas, former Louisville alum. Cody, what you got to say to the people, man, to start this thing off? Man, we just want to say we appreciate y'all joining us. It's going to be a lot of shit talking, a lot of fun, and some ACC football while we at it. We appreciate y'all for joining us. Now, I got to tell y'all, man, how me and Cody actually met each other. So we both played in the NFL for a long time. I retired about four years ago. Cody, when did you retire? Uh, last year. Last year was my first year not playing. Oh, he fresh. See, he got yeah, that I'm, money. I'm he got that fresh. money, money still. He got that money, money, money still. <laughs> See, I'm I'm four years out. Cody still got that. Ooh, that we still can buy whatever we want money. How many How many years did you play? Ten. See, you hit double digits. <laughs> you hit double digits, so you really in that good. I did eight, but I remember my first experience playing against you was a preseason game. It was the third preseason game when y'all came to Nashville. Oh, and I'll never forget. You was kind of like, you was kind of like my vision board for what the season was going to look like because I was starting mm-hmm. at nickel. We had J Mac and Vern on the outside. Yep. I think y'all had Julio and Roddy on the outside, and you was in the slot. And I'll never forget they was in, y'all was in the red zone, and y'all threw like a slot fade. Slot to you, fade, yeah. Slot fade <laughs> to you in the end zone, and it was like overthrown. And you know, as DBs. If it's incomplete, we getting up talking oh, shit yeah. with our chest out, all that. I ain't even make a play on the ball, but the fact that it was incomplete and you had a track record of putting on for a long time, because I came in in 2012, so you was already a veteran by that time I played you. So you was kind of like a, a stepping board for me to see where my progress was at early on in my career. So I never told you that when we was in Nashville. But, that's but you know what's crazy, though? Because I literally, as soon as you started talking about it, I literally, I immediately thought about slot fade and I immediately remember the ball was overthrown and I was mad as hell. I'm not going to lie. I was mad <laughs> as hell, yeah, but man, man. I, I tell, I tell y'all, man, me and Cody actually had the opportunity to be teammates. When I left my, when I left Atlanta, I was in Atlanta for seven years. And then I went to Tennessee. We had an opportunity to be teammates. And I can tell you, man, Cody, you was one of the best teammates I've had, man. You always worked hard. You never complained about anything and you just got the job done. Right. That's the main thing. You got the job done, bro. A lot of people don't understand that at, when you're at that professional level, you want to get the job done. You don't care about all that riffraff. I want to know, is my teammate going to get the job done? And that's one of the things you did, bro. And I re- always respect that about you, man. You was always one of the first ones in, one of the last ones to leave. And you was just about your business. You know what I'm saying? That's the reason why guys make it to 8, 10, 9, 11, 12 years. Like, you got to be about your business and you got to leave all the silly shit to the side because it's a lot of stuff that can sidetrack you in that business. And it- Now, I know a lot of y'all probably wondering, how did me and Cody get on a podcast? How did we get in the media world? So I'll tell y'all first how I got there, man. I Literally, I didn't even have plans of doing media, y'all. Cody, I ain't had no plans to do media. I was going to go to law school after I got done with football. But one of the things I did do is I started interning at a radio station, 929 The Game, which who I still work for right now. I started interning every offseason, right? Every offseason. And the guy who put me on, Terry Fox, man, he came to me. He was like, hey, man, I think you could be really, really good at this. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. But the more reps I started getting on radio, right? The more reps I started getting on radio, I started falling in love with it more and more. Because we're talking about the things that I love, which is sports, right? It wasn't just football. It was all sports. So I fell in love with it. Next thing you know, man, I'm doing some TV stuff and the whole nine. So I said, to hell with law school. I, right. I'm, I'm going to continue to invest into this media thing. And man, lo and behold, that's why I'm at now. And it's, and it's just such a blessing because, and it's a testament because it's a testament to other people seeing things in you, right? And you being willing to listen and not being hard-headed. People came to us, a couple people came to me and was like, hey, man, I think you should invest in, in, in a media career. And I was like, oh, I don't know. But I took, I took their advice and um, I took it serious. But I tell you, one thing about the media world that people don't understand, some retired players think you could just hop off that football field and just go into that media world without studying like you studied playing that game. It's not like that at all. You got to put that same work in media-wise that you did on that football field. The beautiful thing about you saying that, bro, is I was talking to my wife before this podcast. 
And I was like, the beautiful thing about football is the lessons we learn in that business, in that game, you can apply to any field in life. The discipline, the consistency, the persistence, the ability to get knocked on your ass and get back up and keep fighting. Like football is hard. I can't speak for basketball. I can't speak for baseball. I can't speak for hockey or none of those sports. But football is a true dog-eat-dog -dog world. Every time you step in that building, it's an interview. And the day you step in that building, they plan your exit. So that's why it was so important to be professional and truly handle your business because you never know when you're going to get that call. Hey, bring that playbook to the front to the front office. You know what I'm saying? Everybody knows what that means when you got that guy walking around in the locker room with his pen and he checking you out. Like, so it's a, it's real, but it's crazy because I got into this through a relationship of a guy in high school, um, Terrence Oglesby, who played basketball at Clemson while I was there playing football. We played in an all-star game together in high school, uh, the Tennessee East West game. And it was crazy because I was the only cat there that was on a football scholarship that was playing in the game. I don't even know why they had me in the game because like I said, I was going to school to play football, but it was a great experience getting to play with those guys and getting to build with them. But uh, recently, like two weeks ago, Terrence hit me up on Twitter and he was like, shoot me your number. I shot him my number. He was like, man, I got an opportunity for you. I'm doing this field of 68 with the ACC basketball. And I think you will be a great candidate for the football. And then when he told me who the host was, I was like, man, that's my dog. I got to try it out. And I knew you had previous experience. So I was like, man, this is a chance for me to get my feet well, feet wet, build with somebody I know who's in the business doing it and just really be an understudy and learn and grow and evolve. That's dope, man. That's dope. And I'm glad you brought up basketball and your background, right? Because uh, a lot of people don't know. A lot of people think we just played football growing up, right? And right. myself, I played basketball, baseball, football, and track. I did all four in high school in 12th grade. When I left high school, that was the only year that I didn't do all four. And a lot of y'all probably don't know this, but I'm going to let y'all know because we're going to be talking about a lot of ACC sports, uh, ACC football to be exact. But my brother, Tony Douglas, played at Florida State. And my brother played in the NBA for nine years. So I've been following the game of basketball for a long time. But, Cody, man, you weren't too bad on that court yourself now. Like, you, you weren't too bad on that court now. I know. I was all right, man. I think I ended up in the top 10 in my high school's history and points scored. And I did that in two and a half years. Um, I had a couple mid-major division one offers, but around the age of 16 or 17, 16, I would say on that AAU circuit, um, I started seeing guys like Derrick Rose, OJ Mayo, Jared Bayless. Those were the point guards that were coming out with me in my class of 2007. And I was like, man, these guys are six five. They dunking on people's heads. <laughs> they got the ball on the string. I'm like, man, I'm five eleven. It's not too many five eleven point guards that make it to the NBA unless you Chris Paul, AI, those type of guys. And I wasn't that level. And I had a cousin who was older than me that I grew up with, Gerald Sensabaugh, that played in the league for eight years. And he told me he was like, hey, cuz you might want to focus on this football thing. Like I know you love basketball, but just looking at it from a numbers game. There's 15, 12 to 15 guys on the NBA roster. There's 53 on the football. And that's that sold it for me. Once I seen the competition that I was up against and I looked at the numbers of it, I made a business decision at 16, 17 years old. And I just decided to pursue football all the way. And I actually got my scholarship by the defensive coordinator at the time from Clemson coming to watch me play basketball. They had seen my football film. But they had never seen me play football in person. He came to a basketball game. And I remember leading up to that game, I called my oldest brother. I was like, bro, I got to go out here and show how athletic I am. I got to hustle. It wasn't even about scoring for me. It was about me showing my movement skills because I knew as a DB what I needed to show on that basketball court that could translate in his there eyes and mine. So there you go. And it's, it's funny you say that, though, Cody, because I know you went to Clemson. I went to Louisville. And it's funny, man, because Louisville never came to any of my football games. Wow. They came to all my basketball. They came to nothing but basketball games. And I remember, man, I remember Greg Nord, the tight end coach, and he was one of the top uh, recruiting um, coaches that came from Louisville. And the, uh, I think one of the games he came to, man, I had about four or five dumps. Listen, Cody, I was yamming at that. Eh, eh. <laughs> 
Hey, you know, he was in Atlanta too, so I know it was rocking. Yeah, sometimes you know, my brother throw me a little alley hoop. I didn't caught that thing on somebody and teabagged him a little bit. Oh, y'all yeah. played together. Yeah, yes. Which y'all got chance? Uh, just one year in school. So my 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 sophomore year, um, we were really good. My junior year, we lost in the final four in the state playoffs. My senior year, we lost in the state finals. But man, I got my jersey, my football jersey and basketball jersey retired at my high school. My brother got the basketball jersey. Man, this and we really like you know how people say trendsetters. Like we actually really trendsetted our high school. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And like we're the first to do like major, major things at our high school. And so that that's still kind of dope because my nephew's playing football right now at the high school that we went to, man. And one of the things I never wanted for my never I would never want for my kids though is I don't want people to compare. Like I, I never like to compare my nephew because I want him to be his own person. I want him to be his own player. And that's one of the things I never do with my daughter or, or my son is never compare them because I want them to come into their own. Plus, I don't want to add that pressure to them either. Comparison is a thief of joy, man. Something that really gets under my skin. I got two. I got two sons and a daughter. Every time somebody sees my kids, they say, oh, he's going to be a football player. He's going to be a football player. I'm like, man, fuck that. He can be whatever it is he wants. <laughs> if he Fact. decides to go that route, I'll give him the game. I'll teach him everything I know. But I want him to I want them to find their own path, find their own passion, you know, because there's growing up like I know for me personally, I would probably say the same for you and your brother growing up, how I came up, where I come from. Sports was the only way out. I thought that was the only logical path out. You know what I'm saying? So now that I'm older, more mature and wiser, I realize there's so many other paths. And going back to what we said about what football teaches you and shows you, people love to say, oh, you're an athlete. You're just an athlete. To line up as speaking from my perspective as a DB to know the down and distance, to look at the formation, to look at your split as a receiver, to know your tendencies, to line up in three to five seconds and have three route combinations <laughs> in my head. And if you run any of those shits, I'm jumping it. You're a genius. You know what I'm saying? Yes. With your mind to work that fast, yes, to be that yes. surgical, you're a genius, but you don't realize it when you're in the game. But it's like, man, if you can master this craft and become the 1% in this, if you apply those lessons in anything, in any field, you'll be successful. Now, I, we both, man, I, I want to talk about a little bit, man, us going to college and, and why we chose the universities that we chose. And I'll tell you, the main reasons why I chose University of Louisville. First thing I tell you, Louis, out of all the visits I took, Louisville was uh, the visit that I didn't actually have, you know, crazy party fun on. Right. And that actually meant a lot to me. That meant a lot to me because it told me a lot about the university. It told me a lot. And I, and I was one of those got the cats. You know, I want to focus, man. I want to focus on my craft. And, and, and because, listen, two things that, that, that's never going to go anywhere, right? Women and fun. That's two things. That, it was here before us. It's, it's here now. It's going to be here after us. And that was my mindset going to college. But I tell you, man, when I, when I chose the University of Louisville, first I committed to John L. Smith. John L. Smith was a coach there. And then John L. Smith took the head coaching job at Michigan State. So at the time, AD Tom Jurich, man, he, come, he comes to me. And, and at that time, man, I'm thinking about going somewhere else now because the coach I committed to just went to another school. But uh, Tom Jurich came to me, man. He said, Harry, just sit back, sit tight. I got us. I'm going to bring in somebody solid. I said, all right, I'm going to trust you. And then he brought in Coach Petrino, man. And I'm so glad I played for Bobby Petrino because he taught me so many things. I thought I knew mental toughness until I played for Bobby Petrino. That's mental toughness on another level. And to this day, man, I tell people, once you learn mental toughness, there's nothing in this world that can, that, that can break you. There's not one thing that can break you. But, man, when I went up to Louisville, just about all the facilities were brand new. It felt like a home away from home for me. And even still to this day, I call it my second home, man. That's love. Man, my story was a whole lot simpler. I went to Clemson because it was the only Division I offer I had. I was, committed, I was committed to Appalachian State. They were coming off of like two or three straight national championships in the D1AA um, universe. And I went on a visit there and I hated it. It was, at, it was in the mountains. It was cold as hell. My ears was <laughs> popping. I had, I had actually just came from a basketball game, ironically. 
And I'll never forget winding through those mountains in Boone, North Carolina, going up <laughs> to the top of the mountain. I was like, man, this is horrible. This is awful. But they were winning. And like you said, being focused on my craft, my goal was to make it to the NFL. A week before signing day, I get the call from Clemson. And that's when I started talking with the D coordinator. And uh, me growing up, how I grew up, my mom being transparent and wanting to be honest because that's how she lives her life. She yeah. said, yo, you need to call these coaches at Appalachian State and let them know that you're talking to Clemson. Like, you need to be transparent and honest with them. So I called, I called the coaches from Appalachian State and told them what was going on. Mind you, I didn't have a scholarship at the time because they had out offers to, like, five or six other guys that Clemson was waiting on. If one of those guys would have accepted the offer, then I'd have been shit out of luck. So I called Appalachian State, and they was like, you know, we respect your honesty. We thank you for that. But we got to go find somebody else. So they pulled my scholarship. So I'm basically in limbo a week leading up to signing day, like seven days, six days, five days, four days. And <laughs> Monday, Monday or Tuesday of that week, I remember we was playing our rival school in basketball, Science Hill. And right before the game, maybe two or three hours before the game, I found out that I got the scholarship offer. Because all of the other guys went, decided to go to other schools besides one guy. And this is one of my good friends from Clemson. And I thank him every time I see him because if it wouldn't have been for him and his grades at that moment in time, because he had to go to prep school for a semester or something. Stanley Hunter, if his grades would have been right coming out of high school, I wouldn't have had a scholarship offer. So Man, because of his grades or SAT or ACT, whatever the situation was back then, he had to go to prep school, I think, for half a semester. And that allowed me to get the scholarship to go to Clemson. Boy, I tell you, boy, hey. And it if worked God, out. If God is on your side, can't nobody be against you, baby. No, yeah. no, no. And there was <laughs> numerous times in my Clemson career that I wanted to quit, that I really considered about quitting. But having the right people around me, like talking in my ear and realizing, like, yo, you're here for a reason. You know what I'm saying? You wasn't even supposed to be at Clemson. You never knew anything about Clemson before a week before signing day. And, you know, it all bro, worked out. Bro, listen, my first day of training camp, right? Not to mention now, I, I played – baseball is probably the sport that I'm the best at. Basketball and football is next, and then track is last, right? So my first day of training camp at Louisville, man, I'm seeing little stars. I'm lightheaded. I had the worst migraine ever. What I mean, that shit, that practice was crazy. It was crazy. Man, I called my pops on the phone. I said, Daddy, I think I'm going to do basketball, baseball. I don't, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think this, not to mention now, Cody, I'm 5'8", 125 pounds now when I went to college. I was little as hell, 5'8", 125. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm going to do this. You know what my daddy told me? He said, like, hell, you didn't went to that first practice. You won't, you're going to play now. And the fact that, man, my pops had that, 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 that directness in, in, in me and my brother and my sister and always told us if we start something, we're going to finish it. And then next thing you know, I get drafted in third round to the Atlanta Falcons. I played in the NFL for 10 years. I had a hell of a career at Louisville. It's crazy, man, because I know a lot of people probably have stories like that. I know a lot of people probably want to, you know what, I want to move on to the next thing. But sometimes, man, you just got to stick that thing out and weigh it out because don't get so stuck in how hard things is. But the fact that things are hard, let it build you. Let it mold who you become. And that's what it did for me. And I'm pretty sure it did the same thing for you. That's the beautiful thing about having a dream and having a goal. The most important part of it is the journey and who you become on that journey. And I tell people all the time, my dad is probably the greatest reason I'm in the position that I'm in because I wasn't, I wasn't the best player on my high school team. Like my homeboys that I grew up with, they was just as talented as me, if not more talented. But the thing that I had that they didn't have was that strong father figure in the house. And that's so important for our young males and females, especially in the world we're living in today. So shout out to all the fathers out there that's handling their business and taking care, taking care of their families for sure. Before we move on to the conversation about changing the landscape of college athletics, let me tell you guys a little bit about our partners at Bet River Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with Bet Rivers yet, 
Now's the time because they're offering $250 match bonus for your first deposit. Now, what sets them apart is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. With their new Rush Play instant approval, withdrawing your winners is safer, more secure, more reliable. With football season kicking off, get in on the action by going to betrivers.com today or by downloading the Bet Rivers iOS app. You must be 21 years or older. You have a gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and ship this thing. Cody, I wanna ship this thing to college football because college football, when we played it, is a lot different now. And you know what I mean? A lot of things are changing in college football. And I want to start with this NIL, name, image, and likeness. And I just think it's dope right now in today's society that these young men could use their platforms. These young men, young men can use their talents, you know what I mean, to, to, to get and get compensated for it. When for so long in college sports, you couldn't do it, right? We know these universities and NCAA make so much money off of our play and, and what we can do for the university, but we never get to see it. Yeah, we get scholarships, but come on now. You, you, can't, you can't really compare that. When, and I, and this, a lot of times I used to play at the University of Louisville. I look up in the stands, I see that 85 jersey. Everybody walking around with the 85 jersey. But it's times where I got I to gotta go meet a little chick just to go get, get me a little meal. You know what I mean? So it, it's things like that, man, that, that used to bother me. And I had a lot of teammates man who who grew up grew up rough you know what I mean grew up rough so they were scratching and clawing in college just to get a meal and just to do things and extra things they wanted to do just to get clothes and stuff like that so I think it's pretty dope that these guys now um could use their name image and likeness the only thing I would say to these guys is uh there's gonna be a lot of people coming at you right there's gonna be a lot of people coming at you but like my mom always tell me everything that glitter isn't gold you got to make sure if you do sign one of these NIL deals that is with the right company, is with the right people, and they have your best interests. And the main thing is that you can't be trying to focus on that while you're trying to play football. You got to handle your business on the field first. That's the first thing you got to do. Handle your business on the football field first. How you, how you feel about name, image, and likeness? Man, I love it, man. I feel it's overdue. You know, yeah. like you said, it's a lot of guys in college that are struggling – to, to buy themselves a meal. I remember when I was in school, like after that off-campus check ran out, I had to depend on my girlfriend at the time, who's my wife now. I had to depend on her to help feed me. Then come around bowl season, which is around Christmas time and holiday seasons, I would kind of take over for us with the financials because, you know, you get that check, the bigger the, bigger the bowl game you go to. Yep. But, uh, man, the NCAA been making a lot of money off of a lot of young men's back for a long time. And I think it's long, long time, <laughs> long time. And I think it's I think it's long overdue. And like you said, I hope these young men keep the main thing, the main thing, uh, focus on their craft and what they're there to do. And all of that other stuff will come with your performance. It's no different. It's no different than the league. And I think it's giving them a jump start on the next level. You know, once you get to the NFL, the more you perform, the more it comes with it. You know, heavy is the head that wears the crown. So I'm looking forward to seeing these young men and how they handle their business, you know, because it's a business at the end of the day. Yeah. And that's how they have to look at it. And I would say find companies who align with your core values. Mm. Say that. Say it one more time for them, Cody. Say it find one more a, time for them. Find a brand that aligns with your core values. There you go. Because if the bag doesn't come with integrity, it shouldn't be for you. Because like you said, there's going to be numerous opportunities out there. So it's about sifting through which ones is right and which ones is not right. Because the same way they busting their ass working hard to make it to the next level, there's a clown out here working just as hard to take advantage of them and ruin their name and likeness. 100%. So... And another another thing on, on name, image, and likeness, man, and I want to see these head coaches take a stand in this as well, right? And giving these college athletes the financial literacy that they may need, have these meetings, have these conversations with them, because now you have these players that can be making $900,000, $750,000, right? They need to learn how to manage that. And for players who won't play at the college who have the opportunity to make this money, I think it's good on their their ends as well because some of these some of these people, man, they they, they get done with sports 
And let's be honest, a lot of people get done with sports and they don't know what's next. But if you have a little change in your pocket and you invest it the right way, you may have a little time to figure out what's next, right? Because you have your money invested in the right things in the right way. But I, I want these college coaches and these universities to start having classes on financial literacy so these young men can understand the stances they need to take, understand how to invest, understand how to write a check. It's crazy to me how many teammates I had don't even know how to write a damn check or pay their own bills. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and we, we had Pythagorean theorem in school. I don't know when the last time I used damn Pythagorean theorem since I left high school. Now, listen, <laughs> people don't realize you can make $100 million. If you spend $100 million, you're going broke. That's the nature of the beast. And I think the schools, even down to high school, middle school, the curriculum needs to change and they need to start teaching people about taxes. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Owning property, investments, like stuff that's really going to make us better as a society, you know, and not just following one curriculum. Everybody does the same thing because everybody's different. I mean, you can look in a football locker room and that's the beautiful thing about football. You'll get so many different guys from different walks of life with one common goal. You know, and it shows you like, I may not like this person, but I have to get along with this person and I have to build with this person to achieve this goal. Because at the end of the day, this goal that we're trying to achieve is bigger than the differences I may see in this person or have with this person. So I think it's I think it's a great thing. And I think they definitely need to learn financial literacy and something else that's also about awesome about it that I think is is based on your performance. So you may be hot one week and then be cold the next week. So you can't get this idea in your mind once you get one check. Like, oh, I made not, it. I didn't made it. I'm good. I'm the man. I'm the man. Look at I'm me. Good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to learn how to balance that. And like, right. yo, knock on wood, what if I get injured next week? You know, so you have to keep those things in mind. And it's not about being scared or being hesitant. It's just about being logical and understanding the opportunity at hand, because that's exactly what the NFL is. Good stuff, man. Now, I, I want to jump to the realignment, right? Uh, that's what's happening recently right now in college football. But before I do that, I want to jump to something else really for, for a brief little moment, right? You talk about Texas, you talk about Oklahoma, those two teams jumping to the, AC, uh, to the SEC. The rich get uh, richer. Man, le leaving the Big 12 in limbo. I, how you actually feel about that, man? Um, I don't like it, honestly, no. because the I like it when we played before we played like the Big 12 was Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah. You know, the SEC was Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, Auburn, you know, like I'm used to that. So maybe I'm old school, but I don't like it because those other teams that are left in the Big 12, what's left for them? You know, and at the end of the day, keeping it a buck, we know it's all about money. So I get the I get the business side of it, but I don't like what it does to the landscape because now the ACC has to answer to that. The Pac-10 has to answer to that. I mean, the Pac-12, the Big Ten has to answer to that. So it's a disruptor, which yeah. is sometimes good, but it's just, man, I guess it's fans. If, if it does anything better for fans, it gives you more marquee games during the season. And, and, and I'll tell you this, Cody, uh, am I, I'm a big fan of change, but, you know, some things, some, sometimes things move just so fast and change so fast. You know what I mean? We, we, we can't even catch up to it, right? And think like, about it, not to cut you off, but think about it as a player. If you're at Louisville and instead of playing Clemson or playing Florida State, now you got to fly all the way out to California to play USC or UCLA, or you got to fly up to Michigan to play them or Ohio State. It's just, it changes everything. Because I know as a player, I hated having long flights after the games. Like, I wanted to get well, back home. Especially if you, had a, if you had a night game. Have and a you, night game. Boy, them night games in San Francisco, and you got to come all the way back to Atlanta when you landed at 5, 6 in the morning, and then you got to be right back at the facility at like 11, 10, 11. <laughs> It changes so many things logistic-wise logistic that the average person doesn't understand. I mean, it looks good on paper and it makes more money, but 
But I tell you, man, that's 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 where we're at now, man. In college football, NIL deals, uh, realignment, and I tell you, one, one of the things I, I actually don't I don't like about the realignment is the simple fact that okay, you have the ACC, you have the Big Ten, you have the Pac-12, but I'm trying to figure out why is the Big Twelve being left out of everything, right? You know what I mean? What what did, what did they do? The right. only thing they did was just not jump ship like Texas and Oklahoma did, right? And I think I, I think part of the main reasons for Texas and Oklahoma doing that is the simple fact that the college football playoffs is going to have more teams, right? So now they feel like if it's going to be more teams, why are we staying in the Big 12, right? There's no need to. We can go to the, the to SEC. Our strength of schedule is going to be better, so we're going to have an opportunity to get in the, the playoffs regardless and have an opportunity to compete for a national championship which I'm not going to lie, I do like that the, that, that, that the field is going to be more, more teams and more teams will get an opportunity because you never know, man. You may have one of these years like you had, uh, I think it was a Utah, if I'm not mistaken, beating a, a Alabama not too long ago because their offense is a hurry-up offense and they, you know, Alabama struggles with that, those type of offenses, right? You may have things like that. You even look at last year, Georgia and Cincinnati. Cincinnati should have beat Georgia last year. <laughs> Georgia, Georgia squeezed that one out. Right. But it allows teams like, like, like Cincinnati to have an opportunity. I would have liked to see Coastal Carolina last year in the playoffs. I would like to have it. I thought it was if it was one year that the playoffs should have been expanded and they could have test ran it, it should have been last year because we had a pandemic. Absolutely. Right? That, that whole season was crazy. Yeah. But I, but I want to see, I think teams like Louisiana – you know what I mean? Teams like that, the Raging Cajuns. I think they would have gave some of these big schools a run for their money. That's the beauty about the college football playoffs expanding. Um, but like we said, man, you know, everything nowadays is a money grab. And once people can get their hands on that money, it's, it's, <laughs> we already know where it goes from there. Absolutely. And that's the beautiful thing about college football is it's one game, week in and week out. You got to bring your best to the stadium week in and week out and on any given Saturday or Thursday whenever they play anybody can beat anybody yep. it's not like it's not like professional basketball or MLB where it's the best of seven it's one game we'll get into a conversation about the ACC in a second but I just wanted to let you guys know about Field of 12 Media a brand new podcast and digital media network covering college football by the people that know it best brought to you by Shoot Your Shot Productions the folks behind the field of 68, the field of 12 gives you insight into the game we all love by the people that have lived it. Trevor Knight and Bryce Petty covering the Big 12. Joshua Perry and Christian Hackenberg are covering the Big 10. Yogi Roth and Ted Robson on the Pac-12. And of course, me and Harry will continue to give you your go-to source on everything ACC football and more. Check the links below to find the rest of our shows. The field of 12, where college football happens. Now, I want to talk a little college football. We got to get to this college football, the actual game of college football, right? And I think one of the most unique things about college football this year, right, is that you have teams like you have an Alabama who has a new quarterback. You have a Clemson who has a new quarterback. You have Ohio State who has a new quarterback. You have, uh, I believe it's um, yeah, Texas. Who has it? They just named, I think, a new quarterback. You have all Maybe these quarterback depending on his injury. I don't know. Yep. I don't know when his return date is. Derek King towards ACL last year. You have all these teams who are popular, very, very popular schools. They have a new guy to him. What you think about that, bro? I think the beautiful thing about it is those guys are at those schools for a reason. Yeah. Um, you don't get to. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, those schools without being a big dog at some point in your life. I think they just haven't got the opportunity. But we know as a team goes, as a, as the quarterback goes, the team goes mm. at any level of football. If you want to say, say, say it again for <laughs> as the quarterback goes, the team goes. If you want to have a chance at winning anything in football at any level, you better have a quarterback. Like you can look at the NFL. You can look at any college football over the last however many years. If they have a quarterback, they have a chance. And I think all of those quarterbacks will rise to the occasion. I, I truly do. 
I truly do. And for a lot of you people, if if y'all don't understand what we're talking about, I want y'all to check this out. I'm going to take it to the National Football League. You look at the quarterback battle in New England. You look at the quarterback battle in San Fran. You look at the one in New Orleans. You look at the one in Chicago, right? Um, They say it was one in Jacksonville, but I didn't believe that shit not one bit. I knew Trevor Lawrence was going to be the guy. That wasn't no quarterback battle. I've never heard of a number one (laughs) being in a battle with anybody. Unbelievable. But like you said, man, if you if you have a quarterback, you have a chance. Uh, if your team is even decent, they don't even have to be really, really good. If your team is decent and you have a quarterback, you have a chance. But I want to get to your school, though. Clemson. Big C. Clemson. Clemson, man. Do you think Clemson has a chance to win the national championship this year? Without a doubt. See, I, I think so, too. I think so, man, because when I look at Clemson, I'm going to start defensively because – I think they're really, really strong over there, man. They got guys like Brian Breesey on that defensive line, a guy who had a monster year last year, him and Miles Murphy. I think Brian Breesey and and Miles Murphy are two guys who can dominate college football at a high level. I mean dominate. And then you have K.J. Henry, you got Xavier Thomas, you got Justin Foster. But when you look at this defensive line, when I look at this defensive line for Clemson, I think about the defensive line when they had Kristen Wilkins, Austin Bryant. Keelan Farrell, right? And a lot of people wonder why they had that little lapse against Ohio State last year. And it's because those guys on that defensive line was young. Now those guys ain't got their feet wet. It's time for them to be some dog dogs, right? They was already dogs last year. They just wasn't fully developed. Now they didn't got their feet wet. What what do you think about that defensive line, man? How do you think they're going to fare out this year? Man, I think you described them perfectly. I look at them as a young Power Rangers. I think that's what Austin Bryan and Christian Wilkins and those guys call themselves the Power Rangers. Yep. I look at them as a young, a young group of them. Like I think they have all the talent in the world. Obviously, they have great coaching because you can see how Clemson's producing. It's just about them coming of age sooner rather than later. Um, I think they have a really good secondary. Um, I know they lost uh, the corner that went to Georgia, uh, Kendrick. He was a hell of a player. But I mean, when you get when you get to those schools that's always at the top competing, they reload, man. They reload it, man. Think about it. It's 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 a lot like the NFL. Like yes. dog out there at one position. But I guarantee you, it's a dog behind him just waiting for that. <laughs> waiting for that eye. So I think Clemson. I think Clemson has a chance to definitely win it. But um. I think North Carolina's going to give them a run in the ACC. Ooh, 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 ooh. Boy, I'm glad you brought them up. I know North Carolina lost some running backs and some receivers, but, I mean, they got the most proven quarterback in the conference who's a hell of a player. And and I'll tell you (laughs) about North Carolina, man. One of the things I like about North Carolina, they got a transfer running back from Tennessee named Ty Chandler. I think he is going to be dynamic, especially when you uh, lose uh, Javante Williams and Michael Carter, two guys who – Hell, man, either one of them. And they even had games where both of them ran for over 100 yards. So that was a – Who was who? Fact, that, that, that was a big blow, but they, they get Ty Chandler um, from Tennessee transfer, right? They lost two receivers. But listen, one of the receivers that they lost, Naomi Brown, his brother, Kafrey Brown. He, he's on the team now. But I'm going to give you a name of a guy, though, offensively, a guy named Josh Downs. He's going to be Sam Howell's number one target this year. He's going to be his number one target. And I want everybody to look out for Josh Downs because the young man going to put, put up a lot of numbers. He's a smaller guy, but you know I like them small guys, Cody. That's right up my alley. I like them little small, shifty guys, man. I'm going to be honest with you. As a DB throughout my career, the hardest guys for me to cover was the quick, shifty guys. That's why I be trying it's, to tell people. It's hard to get your hands <laughs> on them. Those bigger guys – they just want to wrestle with you in a phone booth, mm-hmm. which is okay because they're not going to get away. And then it's just about making a play on the ball. They may catch some, you may knock some down, but those little quick shifty guys, if you don't touch them, they gone. And that's the game of football. Now, if you look at the game of football as an offensive player, you got to be able to make people miss in space as a defensive player. You got to be able to grab people in space. If you can't do that at any level, you can't play. Cause that's what the game is. Now the game is all about space. So I'm looking forward to seeing North Carolina. And I'm also excited about them because they start the season against Virginia Tech. That's a hell of an opener for both teams 
to jump out in front of that coastal division. Bro, that, I got I, I, I to I, I give a shout out to Mac Brown because, man, recruiting is everything, right? Mac Brown came to North Carolina, man, and, and, and he's recruiting dogs. Like, he's getting them dogs. You look at, I think it was two years ago, that Clemson should have lost that game against North Carolina two years ago. Absolutely. Now, those guys on that defense that gave that offense hell, those guys are older now. They got Vahasek on the, on the defensive line. They got the Fox brothers, Taman and Tamari Fox. Listen, they got two linebackers who were star, stars. Uh, Jeremiah Gimmel was a star, star linebacker last year. Listen, they have players in play. And I, I take it to the secondary. Tony Grimes, Don Chapman, those guys are – and they coached by Dre Bly, a guy who did it at a high level in college and NFL. He's the truth. A so lot I'm, of looking, I'm looking forward to seeing North Carolina, man, do their thing. Speaking of Dre Bly, a lot of people may not know this, but he trained Stephon Gilmore before he got the UNC coaching job. Like when he man, was, just, I didn't know that when he was just going through transition. The year, a couple years leading up to uh, Stephon's Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, and that specific year, if anybody's gonna have those young men right, is Dre Blah. I mean, his resume speaks for itself as a player, but the fact that he was able to help Stephon take his game to another level—that's mm-hmm. all you need to know. I mean, if I was a, if I was a defensive back and I had the option of, you know, go work with Dre Blah or go work with this guy, I would strongly consider him because he's been where I'm trying to get to at the highest level. You know, you know, another thing that's going well for North Carolina this year, you know who they avoid this year playing? They avoid Clemson. So they wouldn't meet Clemson until the ACC championship game. So they can they can go undefeated, lose a close game to Clemson in the ACC. CC championship game or Clemson could lose a close game to them in the ACC championship game and possibly both teams still get in, especially, I mean, where they started at in the season, they, they're both being the top at that point. I'm, I would be guessing in the top five, if both right. of them are undefeated, but I want to talk about another team too, Miami. I think Miami, man, you mentioned De'Aaron King, but Miami have two solid running backs too. Jalen Knighton and um, Cameron Harris. I like, I like those guys. And, but I want Miami to be careful with, Derek King coming off that ACL injury. Last year, man, he, he led, that, led that team in rushing attempts. And coming off of ACL, that, that, that can't happen. They got to let them two workhorses in that, in, that, in that backfield do their due diligence. They got to they transfer, a grad transfer from Oklahoma, uh, Charleston Rambo, to go with Mike Harley and the rest of that receiver group. So I think they're going to be solid there. I think the offensive line going to be better. The only place I'll say – Miami, you could throw some question marks are, uh, is their defensive line, right? Because they got Phillips that went to the NFL, Rasul went to the NFL, uh, Roche went to the NFL. So now they're in a situation where when they used to didn't have to worry about the defensive line, now they got to figure out who's going to rush this passer. Who can we count on on a consistent basis? But I think Miami playing Alabama in that first game of the year, they have an opportunity to make a statement, right? When Alabama has a young quarterback, a young quarterback, they have an opportunity to play him early in the year and take advantage of the situation. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> You're right about that because them boys stacked that Bama on defense. Man, listen here. Them boys, them boys stacked on defense at Bama. <laughs> Alabama stacked at every position. And this is something that I'll say. I know Clemson, and I hope – the Clemson fans, when they hear this, don't get mad at me, but this is the honest to God truth. I know Clemson says they're wide receiver you, but when it comes oh, to no. when it comes to receivers stepping foot in an NFL building and being day one ready, there's nothing like those Alabama guys. Every Alabama receiver that I played their rookie year, they were as polished as three and four and five-year veterans in the league. I don't know who their receiver coach is or what they do, but those guys, I mean, hell, look at them. Like, they're everywhere. Those guys come in the league so polished. And that's not a knock against Clemson or any no. of those receivers because that's where my heart is. Like, anybody who knows me knows I bleed orange. But those Alabama receivers, when they step foot in that NFL building, they ready. So I guarantee you they got three or four guys licking at the chops to get an opportunity this year. Look, and I'm going I'm to name them for everybody. I'm going to start with Julio Jones. I'm going to start with a Julio Jones, day one ready. Amari Cooper, day one ready. Calvin Ridley, day one ready. 
Jerry Judy, day one ready. Henry Ruggs, day one ready. Jalen Waddle, day one ready. And then you got Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, day one ready. Listen, I don't care what nobody say. I agree with you. Alabama That's is wide receiver you. That's just facts. Like the proof is wide receiver you. You can't you can't take that from those guys. Now, last thing, man, I want to I want to touch on is you look at the ACC net. Uh, I want to say ACC football, uh, rather, and you look at the Heisman Trophy talk, right? Heisman Trophy candidates. You got two guys in the ACC right now um, who are Heisman Trophy candidates, and I start with one, North Carolina quarterback Sam Howe. A guy who threw for over 3,500 yards, had 30 touchdowns, seven interceptions, had a 61.1 completion percentage last year. I think this year is big for him because of the simple fact that he lost so much offensively. Um, I think he has to step his game up even more. And he had great numbers last year. Right. But I think when you lost so much in the receiving core and you lost the two running backs, I think you've got to be that much better. Now, they return every offensive lineman back on the O-line. They return every, everybody coming back. But I think for him, he has to be the guy that leads the group. He has to be the guy that sets the tone, right? He has to be the guy that makes those, makes those plays that, that we expect Heisman Trophy candidates and Heisman Trophy winners to make. I agree, and I think this will be a chance for him to truly showcase his talent and maybe catapult himself into the number one pick. Mm. You know, he has that he has that type of opportunity this year, especially with losing all those guys you said from last year. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, everybody knows he's talented. It's just about him putting it together and stringing together some victories. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see for sure. Now, the next person I got who's a Heisman candidate, Clemson quarterback, DJ Uangadale. Oh my Big goodness. Cinco. I don't know how to say Listen. his last name, so I just call him Big Cinco. I know he got a I know he got a chain that says that too. <laughs> <laughs> that that pops a bodyguard. So he come he come from that family of being around right big name people. And 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 a lot of people don't look at that trait, but I look at that trait because when you have people like that who are used to being around certain things, the moment never gets too big for them. And we've seen it last year against Boston College. Trevor Lawrence um, couldn't play due to COVID reasons, right? It's okay. We got Big Zinko in there. We're going to throw DJ in that thing. He showed up and showed out, right, against Clemson and Notre Dame. Now, a lot of people coming into this year is like, oh, yes, um, Clemson's losing Trevor Lawrence. Um, I don't know what we're going to do. Listen, I'll tell you one thing. Clemson not worried one damn bit about losing no Trevor Lawrence because what that man DJ Uangale showed me last year, all he was waiting on was to take control of that team and grab that offense himself. Because what he showed me last year, he showed me it was confident. Showed me the moment's not too big. And he showed me when Trevor Lawrence went to the NFL, he was going to be ready to take over that football team. Now, I think to his credit, you look at that receiver room, they get Justin Ross back. That was huge. That was huge for Clemson. Um, another freshman that showed up last year when a lot of those guys was out, EJ Williams, he's solid. Joseph Ngata, he's solid. Frank Latson Jr., he's solid. You want know another thing about these Clemson receivers? You don't have no little piss ants. Nah. You don't have no little piss ants at that receiver. All them boys 6'3 and over. They playing basketball. 6-3 and over, man. So he can literally throw jump balls and let them guys go get it. But I think that group is going to be even better this year than they were last year because they got their feet wet a lot more last year uh, when they played the game. Clemson is another school, man, especially at the receiver position that they just reload. I remember my last year, my senior year, uh, the receivers we had on the roster was DeAndre Hopkins, Sammy Watkins, Martavius Bryant, Adam Humphreys. Jerron Brown, Sharon P. Look, I don't mean to stop you real quick, but when I heard all them fellas was on the same squad, I said, how in the hell did they didn't win a national championship you with all them boys on the roster? We was just figuring out how to win. Mm. When I first got to Clemson under the Bowden regime, we, mm. were, we had a lot of talent, got you. but we didn't know how to win. Sweeney brought that winning mentality 
an organization to the building. And it took a couple years for it to get to where it is now, but we always had the time. I mean, listen to those guys I just named, but yeah. I think, I think, I think this receiver group will have similarities to that group I just named. Like, like I said, I think Justin Ross is one of the best players in the country. You know, if he wouldn't have had that uh, neck injury last year, he probably wouldn't be there right now. Nope. Just, just being completely, <laughs> just being completely transparent, you know? So, um, It'll be exciting to see. They're going to put a lot of defensive backs on their heels for sure. Because Big Cinco got a cannon. Man, what? And he got guys that can go out and get it and play basketball and just out rebound you. So now I say the only be, thing I think to see how they get creative with all those guys because it's only one football. Exactly. But I, I think another thing that's going to help it though, um, the running back room, man. You lose Travis Etienne, but you got Lynn J. Dixon, a guy who's waiting. His turn, Kobe Pace, a guy who's waiting his turn. Young freshman running back, Will Shipley, who's waiting his turn. So I think they're going to be able to do it. But I'm looking forward to seeing both of those Heisman Trophy candidates, Sam Howell, uh, DJ Uangalele. I'm, I'm getting that name down the correct way. I'm, I'm doing my thing. I've been practicing, Cody. I've been practicing. I've been practicing, man. Right, right. I still but, don't know how to say it. And I, and I actually lied. A few more times. I told, I told y'all that that's the last thing we we're going to talk about, but actually a lot. The last thing I definitely want to talk about, I got to make sure we get this in, is uh, uh, I want to say a sleeper person, a person who's due for a breakout in the ACC. And I'm going to go with the person I think reminds me the most of Stefan Diggs, and that's Zay Flowers, receiver from Boston College. Man, when I watch Zay Flowers play, all I could think about is Stefan Diggs. Their movements are the same. They're electrifying when they had the football. I just want Jeff Halfley, their head coach, and their quarterback, Phil Jikovic. I want them to get this man a football as much as possible. I want them to put him on punt returns. I want them to put him on kick returns. I want them to put this man in every position to succeed because he, shown, he showed last year that when the football is in his hands, he's going to do something with it. I think the ACC – He's going to have some really high-level football this year, and yeah. it'll be some surprises for sure. But I, I definitely think it's going to be hard to overtake Clemson because they've been doing it so long and they have the pedigree. But it'll be interesting to see. So I want to thank everybody, man. I thank y'all for tuning in to our first episode of One-on-Ones. Cody Sensorball, Harry Douglas here, Clemson alum, Louisville alum. Be sure to check us out next week. Love is love. Appreciate y'all.